<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Hello, and welcome to episode... That's probably a bad lead-in. I'm going to keep it. Because <laughs> damn it, There's, if we didn't earn it. Yeah, right? I'm coming out with the same energy that Nebraska did. Hello and welcome to episode 14 of Wannabe Walk-Ons, a Nebraska football and craft beer fan podcast and the official podcast of the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild. I'm Drew and I'm joined by my co-host, Ben. Thanks, Drew. Each episode, we will sample beers both local and beyond while sharing our unique brand of Husker Insight. <laughs> We encourage you to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at Wannabe Walk-Ons for the most up-to-date show information. And please subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform or stream each episode on wannabewalkons.com. New episodes drop during the Nebraska football season every Tuesday at 11 a.m. On this week's episode, Drew and I will share our thoughts on the Minnesota game, and then, as our special surprise, we will interview each other with our best, worst questions we could think of while sampling a lineup of unique and limited beers from our friends at Jukes Aleworks. I'm Ben. And I'm Drew. And this is Wannabe Walk-Ons. So, Drew, one of the things that I find disheartening after Nebraska losses have absolutely nothing to do with the team, and it's 100% self-centered, but our listener numbers drop after losses. Yeah. So, like last week after the Michigan loss, where we usually, we averaged about 30% less listeners, and I understand. Yeah, Yeah, I I tend to not listen to talk radio for like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Mm -hmm. and then I come back around Thursday and Friday when we get into game predictions and everyone's talking about other things, but I was very encouraged with a tweet that we got this week, and I'm not going to cite who sent it out, but what they said was, can't wait to listen to all the Nebraska podcasts this week after they predicted easy double-digit wins over the Gophers. Hashtag row the boat. And they tagged us. Oh, nice. And they tagged Hail Varsity. Oh, cool. So I feel... Look at that. Like that's a... That's rarefied that's, air. Yeah, that's good company to be keeping. It really is. And so I just yeah. wanted to thank that Minnesota fan for lifting my spirits <laughs> after the game. I know that's not what they were getting at. Yeah. They were trying to poo-poo on us. Yeah, they but were. I was like, can't bring us down. Yeah. We've been <laughs> we at this for too long. <laughs> So I just thought, wow, what a what a great way to rally ourselves back together. So even if Nebraska fans have a hard time tuning in, the Minnesota fans can sure listen in and enjoy as as we come back uh, and sample some some dark colored poultry as we eat some crow, <laughs> baby. Let's dive right in. Let's okay. talk about this Minnesota game. Let's get it off of our palates so that we can dive into those special beers from Jukes. How does that sound? Uh, it's, I'm excited about the beer. I am too. Much so, more than this conversation, but let's do it. Real let's quick it. on the game score, Nebraska fell to 3-5 and five after a demoralizing loss to Minnesota of 30-23. to 23. Drew, 
Let's dive into special teams. Can we do overall first? Sure. You just want ju- <laughs> to jump past the overall? Yeah, you got to set the you got to set the table, right? Oh, okay. Yeah. Sure. This is our this uh, is... amuse bouche. Okay. <laughs> Here is uh, everybody's probably everybody's impression and my impression too. They came out flat. Yeah. And that was really discouraging because we hadn't seen that since Illinois. Right. After the game, you know, Cam Taylor Britt said that the team wasn't awake. Frost admitted that he thought they needed to be a little more juiced, and they tried to pump him up. He felt like throughout the week they were very businesslike, but he was a little concerned about whether that was good or bad. That that just blows my mind. I don't understand how you can't be ready for a game. Yeah. And if you're not ready for a game, that tells me that you were not practicing with juice either. Yeah. You know, like you're not you're not like riding a high all week, and then Saturday rolls around the big game, and you're just like, nah. Don't want to do it. Yeah, I mean, calling them business-like, are they business-like on a Monday or are they business-like on a Friday? Like, what does business-like mean? Yeah, is well, it I don't just think Frost going, knew. Yeah, is that <laughs> just going through the paces? Are you on autopilot? You're like, I'm here to do a job as opposed to I'm here to better myself. Is this like I've been at this job for 20 years or is this a I'm a new guy at this job and I have something to prove? Right, yeah. And and the, I think what kind of compounded that situation, and this is what happens in the Big Ten a lot, is that they have these early 11 a.m. games, and you're playing against teams that want to slow it down and grind it out. And if you come in and you're sleepwalking through that, you run into the situation where your first drive is a 45-second, three and out, and then the team, Minnesota in this case, gets the ball. They chew up half of a quarter. They take it all the way down. They score a touchdown. And you're combining this just like this shitty attitude that you're coming in with with Minnesota molasses in the situation and it's just a bad combination. Not to mention, I don't know if you've ever been asleep or sleepwalking and then someone hits you in the face. <laughs> you don't tend to respond very well. Right. And Minnesota came out with a game plan where they put all their big uglies right out in front. They said, we're going to hit Nebraska hard and we're going to see if they respond. Yeah. To me, overall, Minnesota out-strategized, out-coached, out-played, and out-energized Nebraska. So I'm, I'm right there with you. They were sleepwalking through the game. They didn't come in energized. It's really frustrating to hear that with so much momentum and so much on this team and the the good that they have to be feeling. But I think we're finally seeing those, quote unquote, moral victories catching up. Yeah. Yeah. That added up and maybe they were resting on their laurels a bit. In yeah. Situation. That or and Michigan beat them twice. But I don't want to take credit away from Minnesota. And I'm no, no this is not shouldn't. a fun taste that I'm going to have throughout this game breakdown. I give a lot of credit to Minnesota. Yes. I have no problem giving a lot of credit to Minnesota because it was very evident on the field that Nebraska lost, but Minnesota also won that game. Yeah. So can we go to special teams? Now we can dive into everybody's favorite special teams. I have a special place in my heart for Connor Culp. You may or may not know this, but I dream of being a field goal kicker. I'm, I'm not it's not a joke like I'm not trying to be it. funny on this so I'm 33 that ship has sailed <laughs> but for Christmas this past year I actually got a field goal kicking tee from my brother as a gift which is something I've wanted for a very long time now I'm in walking distance to a very nice high school with a very nice turf varsity field and I know the way to get onto that field so I can I actually go there and practice field goal kicks for no other reason than daydreaming my long is 32 yards kicking is hard now I've been practicing this couple of six seven eight months that's not a while compared to what these other kickers are doing and it's still an incredibly hard thing Culp is dealing with a hip flexor that we all first learned about on I feel like on the broadcast I had no Mm -hmm. idea he was going through that plus he's dealing with whatever's going on between the ears if an injured player though is your best option maybe get off the kids back and start looking inward looking at yourself as a coaching staff and realize that you've got a depth issue 
And that's not on Connor Culp. If he's dealing with an injury, you know, we had um, uh, Barrett Pickering who was dealing with an injury and they had to find another kicker. Are they not giving Culp that same opportunity? Are they not giving the search because they've got last year's Big Ten kicker of the year? I think they're doing him a disservice by putting him out there and constantly putting him in these situations to fail as opposed to putting him into situations to succeed. And that just frustrates me because, I mean, these are these are kids. Yeah, I that's my take too. I just, I mean, I feel bad for him. Like, you know he's giving it his all. Yeah, right? he's not going out there going, I hope I miss this kick. Yeah, he's, no. not, he's not leaving the, he's not leaving Minnesota and and just giving up. No, he's like going back to to the practice field and he's going back to kicking balls as best yeah. he can with this injury. And yeah, like you said, it's just it's it's discouraging that what this coaching staff is doing in this situation. Um we've seen him flounder, like you said, in the past trying to find a kicker before and they probably don't want to relive that experience either. Sure. They're they, compounding the issue on Cole. Yeah. They're yeah, not they're, giving him that opportunity to then heal or get better or win his spot back you yeah know, he doesn't have that target out in front of him so if he fails he's not only failing himself he feels like that weight of the team is on his shoulders and you see it in these post-game pressers where he faces the media and this isn't the first time he's done that. It's not the first time we've even talked about it yeah after the illinois game he went out and he faced the media and said i shouldn't be missing those kicks this is on me and he did it this time with an even heavier heart mm-hmm. and you just feel for the kid because three points that he kicks through the the uprights, I mean, it's never a given, but it shouldn't feel like the game is won or lost on his foot. Right. A lot more happens in between everything else when you before you go into that field goal formation. So that's my biggest takeaway from special teams on this game. I have some other stuff, but Pristop and Frankie did their jobs. We had another boot on a punt that should have been down within the 10. Coverage didn't get there. And I'm just going to be the broken record. We need a special teams coach. I know you've had the the point when we talked about Oklahoma. They don't have a special teams coach, and they tend to be all right on special teams. Nebraska's not all right on special teams. They need someone who has experience and skill in coaching kickers and punters and coverage, not someone who, like Mike Dawson, is a linebacker's coach who also has that responsibility. Those linebackers are great. Mike Dawson is great at coaching linebackers and D linemen. If he doesn't, ex- you know, if he doesn't excel in coaching special teams, we need to rework that coaching staff so they can bring someone in who can actually coach up and develop our special teams. Yeah. I'm on board with that too. I am now. It's about time. It's, I know. <laughs> it's about you can damn do it. time. I mean, yeah. you can do it both ways, but like if, if it's not working this way, don't keep right. doing it. Well, we have, we only have four years of evidence that it hasn't been working this way. Only four. Yeah. Yeah. What other thoughts do you have on special teams? One of the things that I I guess I did mark down in regards to the the kicking struggles is it, when you get inside the 40-yard line, that completely changes how you're calling plays and what your your mentality is in that situation because you don't if you don't trust your kicker, if you if you don't have a trustworthy kicker, you're thinking, "Okay, we're in four down territory." And so if it's third and middle, third and 8, right? Uh, you're on the 35-yard line. You're not looking to, you know, take a shot at the end zone. You're not looking to attack. You're just looking to pick up six yards so you can get in a manageable fourth down. And that's a very different approach, I think. And so that's why I would like yeah. to see here, not just for the points, but just for those, the, the offense, I think, has more success. And I think the big thing there, too, is that's the offense saying to your special teams and to your kicker, hey, we got you. Mm-hmm. And it's not just the offensive players executing those plays. It's the play calling saying, look, we know you're going through struggles. We're going to put this on our back. Yeah. We're going to pick you up until you figured that out. 
you just focus on making PATs and we're going to take care of the rest. I think that's a great perspective to have where it's the offense needs to then carry the special teams. And I'm not just talking about players. I'm talking about coaching as well. Play calling needs to be there. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the offense. Okay. <laughs> Don't sound too excited. <laughs> what do you have? I just, the, the, the most frustrating thing about this offense is that they can't close the deal. Ooh, that's the first thing I had written on my yeah, sheet. Yeah, what do you know? They had six drives inside Minnesota's 40 in this game, resulting in 17 points. They probably should have had that other touchdown. In in my mind, and what I saw, it looked yeah. like Adrian had scored there you know, on the inch I want to I want to have a, an aside there because okay. I appreciate Nebraska fans' commitments to the refs are always trying to screw us. Yeah. I also appreciate the Nebraska fans' restraints to not start tweeting and texting and sharing that now the camera crews are against us <laughs> right. by having two plays where there was no angle. When they're shooting in 8K and I can see the boogers coming out of people's noses, <laughs> right. but yet they don't have a camera angle that's not blurry to show an incomplete pass or Adrian crossing it's, the goal line. It's insane at this point. Like We've had review for so long, and how many times have we had these goal line looks and you don't have the right camera angle. Right. What like what what is lacking that we can't just put a camera on the pylon? What technology do we not have yet? I don't think it even needs to be on the pylon. Just have one shooting just straight, straight down across. instead of angled slightly. Yeah. It's like just put it there with a with a zoom or I know we have the technology to have a microchip in the ball so that when the ball crosses a literal yeah. plane I mean, you have it in your phone. You can have it in a fucking football. That, yeah. to me, is like, why don't we have that? Where it's just like, oh, that got triggered. Fi fireworks now. Right. You know? Yeah. But we could harp on that all we want. But just thank you, Husker fans, for not saying that it was a Big Ten camera crew, obviously, and they're out to, yeah. to way screw to, us too. Way to show your restraint. <laughs> um, Ramir Johnson. We talk about him a lot. I throw yeah. a lot of MVPs his way. Um, and Austin Allen had a great game. Both yeah. those guys. Austin Allen is, I'm going to nickname him the bear trap because anything that comes his way, he just bear traps it. Yeah. His hands are incredible. He was on top of things. And, you know, when, when Adrian Martinez is struggling in a game, having a big target like that, like a huge target like that, that just brings in everything is very helpful. And we saw that. Why Why him. do we wait until we're struggling with in games before we start to target him? I well, mean, he I is such a... I don't think that they, they didn't wait. I feel like he had some big plays early on too, but it was just so inconsistent. He was yeah. the only one that was catching, like the only one that Adrian Martinez was, was hitting. Yeah. And so, and we saw a lot of uh, miscommunication between yeah. Martinez and the other receivers to go along with the overthrows. And so that, and so that connection between Martinez and Allen is obviously very secure. Yeah. They're very comfortable with each other. Sure. It would be nice to see that across the board mm -hmm. you know more consistency from everybody yeah but yeah i had those guys down for for great games they accounted for 54 percent of our total yards i believe it if you told me that they were that 90 percent. i mean they yeah. really you felt like if something good was happening one of those two guys were involved yeah oh the other thing i had was that uh minnesota took a really great approach to taking martinez in the option yeah out of this game they sure did yeah that was part of their their uh, game plan, obviously. Yep. And they executed it to a T. They really did. Yeah. I Kudos mean, those those were the two things that I had written down right at the top. Red zone efficiency. Uh, we were on the one, nine, and twenty nine in three consecutive drives. Walked away with zero points. That's fun. And you were right. I thought Adrian was going to be an issue with his legs against Minnesota. It was an issue for them against Bowling Green to have a running quarterback. They didn't have to really worry about it against Purdue. So I thought, hey, they're not going to focus on it. 
but credit to PJ Fleck. Uh, oh, <laughs> God. Yeah, he, God, all right. He is not afraid to look at a team's weakness, his own team's weakness, to call his own team out on it, and to do everything he can in preparation to attack his own team's weakness and make it a strength. And the fact that they took Adrian's legs out of the game and made him one-dimensional with his arms, they said, hey, you can beat us through the air. We're going we're gonna to have it there, but we're going to put pressure on you. We're going to load the box down after down. We're not going to let you run the ball, option the ball. I mean, you know what I'm thinking? Uh, I think that whatever, whoever tweeted at us, that Minnesota fan, I think that was PJ Fleck. And I think he was listening to our podcast and he heard me say that Adrian Martinez is going to have to win with his arm. Yeah. And he knew then that if he could just, yeah, if he could just contain Martinez. Stop releasing these episodes earlier in the week. Yeah. (laughs) And start (laughs) releasing them later in the week. Yeah, don't give don't give them time to prepare based on what we have to say. Well, you heard it here first. Wannabe walk-ons will be available Saturday mornings before <laughs> kickoff. <laughs> exactly however many minutes before kickoff. So be ready to have us at your tailgate, have us on the radio while you're prepping your cinnamon roll and chilies. Right, you should have us chilies on and c- chili and cinnamon rolls. <laughs> All right, let's look at defense. What do you, you you kick us kicks off here? Minnesota's offensive game plan was a stroke of genius. Mm-hmm. Flex best, healthiest offensive weapons are his veteran offensive linemen. So we put a shit ton of them out there. So many, like almost to a point where I was like, how is this legal? As long as there's only four in the backfield, (laughs) who cares? Nebraska could learn a lesson when it comes to putting your best players on the field. Identifying your strengths and then playing to them. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yep. I didn't think that the secondary looked prepared for Tanner Morgan's Heisman campaign. (laughs) (laughs) You know, he. I, I do think that Nebraska was saying, hey, Minnesota's going to come at us with the run, so we got to worry about that run. What I thought was even more brilliant than Minnesota loading six, seven, eight offensive linemen out on the field or their biggest tight ends was the amount of substitutions they kept running, even though the play calling was similar. So Nebraska kept trying to play this chess match, and the entire time, P.J. Flex just out here playing checkers. Yeah. We're overthinking. And in the second half, the defense really settled in, brought the fire. And that secondary was like, okay, if they're going to run these curl routes, we're going to start to break on them. Yeah. And Minnesota didn't really learn their lesson on those routes. But then they went back to just running the damn ball down the throat. And eventually our defense got tired. Time of possession was a huge benefit for Minnesota. Yeah, that was a crazy discrepancy. And the defense, we've been talking about this since Illinois, since we started to see the defense on that upward swing, was when was the game going to come? where the defense needed to rest on the offense to win the game. And guys, this was that game. Yeah. The defense needed the offense here, and Nebraska's offense just did not execute. They did not come with that fire. It wasn't a terrible defensive performance. Just Minnesota, out again, out-schemed, out-coached, out-played, out-energized on all fronts. That was the biggest point that I took away from this game. If you look at the, the drive sequence from the second half, that kind of tells you that story. Defense definitely flipped a switch. They got an interception. Offense follows it up with three and out. Defense gives them a second chance with a second interception. Offense responds with a touchdown. Yep. Things are starting to look good, right? Defense goes three and out. Offense drives. Should have had that touchdown, but it wasn't. So, you know, go down on downs. Offense again, or excuse me, defense again, three and out. Offense missed field goal. Defense five plays and a punt. Offense goes with downs again. Defense three and out. Offense gets a safety. And so the defense kept fucking giving us a chance yeah. over and over and over. And the offense just could not get it done yeah. until finally the defense was like, they just said, 
screw it. Like, you know, they didn't, but that's what it right. looked like that 56 yard run. Um, that's 40% of the yards that they gave up on one play in that second half. And it's just that, it's just that one play that's it's just like you, they finally gave up. Yeah. And I don't blame them. Like I'm amazed at how long they held on. Yeah. I mean, that game could have been higher scoring for both sides of the ball, mm-hmm. but if Nebraska capitalizes in the second half on all the opportunities they had, it's a completely different ball game. It's the game that we all expected to see. It is. But again, this isn't so much. I mean, it is. It's, it's, I'd say it's about 50-50. It's part Nebraska lost the game on offense, but Minnesota had their shit together on offense and defense, knew what it was going to take to win the game, and they executed that. P.J. Fleck. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God, the look on your face every time you say that name. He recruits his culture so well. Yeah. He, I said it last week that one of the things that makes me so angry about him isn't all the other junk he does. It's that he does all that junk, but he gets guys on campus that, that respond to that and juice him up, and he's always ready with a game plan to execute. He's always out there and saying, this, this is how we're going to identify for this game. We may win, we may lose, but if you're bought in, when we win, it's on you guys. When we lose, it's on me. And that is the kind of leadership where it literally, if you fail, it's not your fault. If you succeed, it's because of you. Who doesn't want to play for that? Right. And it's so frustrating that such a simple concept feels far away. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I I'm, still hate PJ I Fleck. Can't, I cannot, st- I don't like, I don't respond to what he's selling. Yeah. But people obviously do. And, and he's very good at what he does. I don't like that flavor of candy, but yeah. I like sugar. Yeah, there you go. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. And he, and and for whatever reason Frost Frost I'm sure believes just as deeply in what he's preaching. But for whatever reason, it's not connecting with all of his players. Yeah. I don't have the answer. I don't have the solution. I'm still going to be there rooting just as loud when we take on Purdue in 2 weeks. And the frustration that I have is because I do care so much about the team yeah. and I want to see these guys succeed. These are student athletes. Their whole futures ahead of them. It's just a game. It does mean a lot to this state. So it gets frustrating when they come out and they're playing flat. But I don't put that on them. I think we're all in this state in agreement, or at least a vast majority, that there's something that maybe has been unidentified in the coaching staff that hasn't been coached, that hasn't been led or anything along those lines. And I think with Trev Alberts at the helm, one of the things that when he was first hired, I wasn't very excited because I thought Nebraska needed this sort of banner hire, this sort of celebrity AD, this kind of a Bob Stoop situation where like he's coming out of retirement to lead Nebraska to glory or we need a really great up and comer who's the hot hand or something like that. But what Trev Alberts brings to the table, he's not afraid to do the difficult thing because he knows it's best for the program. And I feel like when Frost was first brought in, Moose sold him on, you have carte blanche, do whatever you want. This is your program. I'm just going to make sure the checks cash. Mm -hmm. That's my job. I think Trev has more of this idea of I am your boss. And for me, the best bosses I've had in my life weren't the ones that let me just do my thing. They were the ones that weren't afraid to give me feedback, that weren't afraid to celebrate my successes, but also then came to me when I failed and said, look, you failed. How are we going to be better? And so I look forward to weeks like this in the sense that I think that there's going to be honest conversations of let's truly evaluate why we continue to fail. And Trev Alberts isn't afraid to have the hard conversation. And so when we start to look inward, 
the way that P.J. Fleck excels at doing so, looking inward and attacking those weaknesses as opposed to trying to elevate the good and let's kind of shove the other shit under the rug. I think that these things might start to get fixed. That might look like new assistant coaches. That might look like different practice styles. That might look like a whole slew of different things. But I think we have the leadership in place, and he'll start to have a lot of that data now going into the offseason where we can honestly evaluate, he can mentor, he can lead Scott and help Scott rebuild that program. Cool. I got nothing to, I got nothing to add to that. And Great. Well said. And yeah. So MVPs. Uh, I put... Don't tell me you put PJ Fleck. No. Okay. I thought I thought I had about it, and then PJ I deleted Fleck. it. I was like, I was nice enough. I was going to put PJ Fleck because he really he suffered from a lot of online bullying this week, and he came I mean, through. Okay, so let's talk about <laughs> that funny. for a second. We were a part uh, of it. Our Twitter feed was also joking yeah. around with a PJ Fleck does dot dot dot. Yeah. But I I think that the the point of it was it was a lot of like he's just uncool. Oh yeah. There was some that was a little bit more like okay, those are angry, and ours was like <laughs> PJ Fleck asks for vanilla samples at Baskin Robbins like it's not right. like anything <laughs> it's all in good fun it's it's college football it's like a good game day sign yes. just let it be a good game day sign yeah. doesn't need to be offensive yeah you don't got to attack like attack the and guy. he puts himself out there in the situation where it's like he can absorb that he's a big boy he can handle it for sure so obviously he, but yeah he showed us that's this crow tastes like shit yeah <laughs> my okay so for real though my so my MVP for this game was Chenander um, just because of everything he's going through, obviously, you're, you know, yeah. your heart breaks for the guy. Um, you wish nothing but the, the most peace and, and comfort that his family can have in this situation. I feel like a, a lot of people in this situation, it'd be hard to, to choose to go in and do your job in that situation. But, um, he did it and I thought he did well. His players were not with him for that first half and he got him to turn it around in the second half. And again, the defense gave us a chance to win this game. Yep. And as a team, we did not capitalize. That's a great you? MVP. It really is. And it shows the importance, the important side of sports, mm-hmm. right? Where when you're going through struggles and you're having hardships, you have a found family in addition to your family family. When he needed to lean on his guys, his guys were there. The defense, like you said, responded in the second half. But the fact that Chenander chose to be with this group tells you how much these these groups mean to one another. Right. And uh, that's that's a great MVP. My MVP was the Minnesota offensive line. They just bullied Nebraska. They took away any opportunity for Nebraska to find their stride in the first half uh, mm-hmm. because they just kept Minnesota's offense on the field. They saw the defense was struggling. We're going to keep attacking. And they saw the offense was struggling. So the longer we're on the field, the less they can figure it out. And you saw it with Adrian's arm. He was airmailing some stuff. You saw miscommunication. They couldn't establish a run game, an option game. Yeah. So I give credit to Minnesota's offensive line. Because I'm pretty sure the only person not on the field for Minnesota's offense that was an offensive lineman was Tanner Morgan. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, it didn't matter who was back there running the ball. No. Which, Obviously, what a brilliant they, stroke where it's like, hey, we don't got a guy who's going to break through, so let's just give him every gap. Yeah, let's just give him a giant wall and he can pick which, which yeah. hole he wants to run through. And if we can only move the, the line four yards, we'll move it four, and then you just take a knee, buddy. Yep. Yeah, and then we'll <laughs> right. get another four. So yeah. credit credit to Minnesota. Again, it was one of those games where it felt right out of the gate. You're like, man, not again. Yep. This is going to be an unenergized, uninterested Nebraska team. But when you look at the game, yes, it was that. But then when Nebraska started pushing back in the second half, Minnesota stuck to who they were, and they went out and won the game. So I give I give a lot of credit. I hate to say it to him. but <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know what? We're going to take some time off. We're going to regroup, and we're going to have a shot at Purdue. 
Could be Iowa. <laughs> we we could be Iowa this week. Yeah. I'd rather I'd rather be six and one. I would too. God <laughs> damn it. Uh, before we begin sampling these utter powerhouse beers from Jukes, we want to take a quick moment to talk about our show partner, the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild. As we mentioned at the top of the show, Wannabe Walk-Ons is the official podcast of the NCBG. The Guild is a professional organization that protects the craft brewing industry in Nebraska. The Guild's main focus is to encourage folks of a legal drinking age to drink Nebraska beer through promotion, education, and events. The craft beer industry provides over 4,000 full-time jobs in Nebraska alone. When you drink craft beer, you're supporting local small businesses, something that's important now more than ever. If you're a fan of craft beer like we are, you can support the NCBG by joining the Nebraska Beer Alliance. Being a member gives you access to exclusive discounts, Nebraska beer merch, and members-only information. You can learn more about the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild, find local breweries, and join the Nebraska Beer Alliance by visiting nebraska.beer. Now, as we are officially in the midst of a bye week, we thought we would do things a little different for the back half of this episode. For this week's brewery profile, Drew and I are returning to Jukes Ale Works, our friends from episode three, to sample an incredibly special beer lineup. At the end of September, Jukes released a four-pack of extremely limited bourbon barrel-aged barley wines. Now, barley wines, for those unfamiliar, are strong ales that lean heavily on malt for their flavor. The style is often aged to lessen the alcoholic impact while simultaneously embracing the beer's ability to evolve over time. The aging oxidation process develops flavors like honey and toffee while deepening aroma and lessening the beer's trademark bitterness. Jukes Ale Works took their popular English-style barley wine, Abyssal Mouth, and placed it in three different single bourbon barrels for aging. The brew entered its wooden tomb at 11.2% ABV with strong notes of toffee and caramel, balanced by hints of cinnamon and dried fruits. For the past 18 months, Abyssal Mouth has been laying dormant, but now the monster awakens. In front of Ben and I are four bottles of Jukes barrel-aged beauties. Bottle one, Abyssal Mouth aged in a single Buffalo Trace bourbon barrel for 18 months. Bottle two, Abyssal Mouth aged in a single Elijah Craig bourbon barrel for 18 months. Bottle three, Abyssal Mouth aged in a single Willet bourbon barrel for 18 months. And bottle four, a carefully crafted blend of all three. Oh, and we should also mention the addition of the sugars in the barrel have allowed for these beers to grow from 11.2% to 13% ABV. If the craft beers on regular rotation show off a brewer's craftsmanship, then these special beers aged for a year and a half and limited to only 250 sets are a representation of the brewer's artistry. These beers are rarely brewed with financial gain in mind, but rather an opportunity to physically manifest and share a brewmaster's love and passion. Prior to sampling each beer, we will describe the profile of the bourbon that they were aged with to give an idea of the type of flavor a barrel-aged beer can extract from the same barrel and the bourbon that came before. In between each beer, Drew and I will be taking full advantage of the aforementioned 13% ABV and interview each other with increasingly stupid questions. Shall we begin? To be honest, I'm a bit frustrated we haven't already. (laughs) All right. Well, we're going to go in alphabetical order, beer by beer, and we begin with the Buffalo Trace Barrel-Aged Abyssal Mouth. Buffalo Trace is known for its vanilla, mint, and molasses aroma and its brown sugar, oak, and anise flavor profile. So, Drew, what are you picking up on this first beer, the Buffalo Trace Abyssal Mouth? I'm picking up a lot of the the molasses that they talk about there and a little bit of the raisin flavor. Yeah. It's got a really great mouthfeel to it, creamy. Yeah. Um, you can definitely tell it's a 13 percenter, but it's not like that 
that burning alcohol that's offensive. No. It's just, it's present. Yeah, it is. This is a really nice, really nice introduction to this beer right out of the gate. Mm -hmm. You definitely pick up on some of the barrel notes of the beer itself, and that'll get more evident as we sample each individual beer and get to experience those. I'm even getting things like a dark chocolate, a little bit of that bitterness, some of that roasty quality in there, maybe a little bit of hidden coffee, that sort of thing. It's a really nice beer. Those molasses flavors that you're picking up, to me, taste a little bit like just a really clean caramel. And yeah, the fruit is there. There's definitely, that was the first note that came to mind was that raisin, that dried fruit, that kind of deep wine-like fruit quality where everything's just kind of concentrated. Yeah, it's a good way to put it. It's a great way to start. And a great way to begin interviewing one another. So we're going to give our listeners an opportunity to learn a little bit more about us with some ridiculously stupid questions. All right. We'll see how these go. All right. I'm going to let you answer first. Okay. Okay. I've got some questions written down here, but I'm going to let you choose. Pick a number between one through nine. Oh, that's fun. Um, Let's go with number eight. Number eight. This is the heaviest question I have. Oh, good. Way to start it off. What's something you pretended to like or were overly enthusiastic about liking the first time that people or a specific person now associate with your personality? Podcasting. (laughs) (laughs) It's not that I, it's not that I didn't ever like it or it was, this is a very, this was at the onset, this was a very stressful endeavor for me. Yeah. Yeah. Gave me a lot of anxiety. It took me a while to come around to saying yes to doing this. Yeah. And then our first episode too, like that whole day, even the day after, like I was suffering. I was like, oh man, like, I don't know. I don't know how this is going to go, but I, you know, kept with it, kept with it. And it's, you know, it's just fun now. It probably, this is a thing our listeners don't know, but it probably didn't help that I then called you afterwards and was like, Hey, I think we need to (laughs) re-record our portion of the first episode. Yeah, We did it all over again, but that was all right. I mean, it was, it wasn't Drew's fault. It wasn't my fault. It was our first episode and you know, we actually didn't bring enough energy to it. Ironically (laughs) enough for this episode. And I, we just wanted another shot at it. So we went back and re-recorded that. Yeah. We had to find our footing and figure out kind of what we wanted to be structured like and sound like and And right out of the gate we found what we didn't want it to be fortunately for us though brett and reed were excellent yeah they they were a great they were great they blew me away with the you know i I didn't realize that we could um stumble across just such generosity and and just a fun conversation with strangers over beer that was a perfect perfect first episode interview Yeah, it's gotten it's gotten much better. Yeah, I, yeah, I've, I've lost the I've lost all the stress from it. It's it's now something I look forward to. Yeah, every week it's keeping me connected and invested in Nebraska football, even as they struggle. This would probably be about the time I check out. Oh yeah, on Nebraska football, not entirely. Like I still root for him, I still cheer for him. I would probably just be done consuming. Yeah, and the extra stuff. Talk yeah, yeah, sure. I would just show up for the game. Cool. Well, I hope our listeners but, don't do that. Yeah, you guys. Yeah, don't be, don't be like me. You know, stay here, please. So that'd be it. I'm pot. Yeah, podcasting. Great answer. There you go. All right. It makes okay. me feel terrible. <laughs> no, it's a good thing. It's um, if you're out there and you're wondering, you know, whether you should like go after something that you're uncertain of, but you think might be fun, like just fucking do it. Who like? Yeah. What do you have to lose? And you might get uh, yelled at by a random Minnesota fan. Who you tries to call you out, but makes you feel great. Yeah, you might get compared to Hell Varsity. Hey. So that's cool. Cool. Sorry, Hell Varsity, though, yeah. <laughs> for the comparison. That's, <laughs> that's you guys deserve way that's better. That's hard on them. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what do you? What do you, I can do the number thing. Let's do the number thing. I like that idea. Okay. All right. What do you want? What number? Uh, let's start with four. Okay, number four. <laughs> hey, this is a podcast one. Would you rather 
host a podcast about football and beer with great football but terrible beer or terrible football but great beer. Hint, you're already doing one of these. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I think that it's harder to find bad beer, to be honest. So if we were to try and purposefully do bad beer and good football, we'd be having a harder time and we wouldn't be talking about Nebraska. So I'm going to go with what we're doing already, which is we've had a rough year of football, but we've found some real gems in beer. Mm -hmm. And I think that's been really fun. I've even had people reach out like, hey, I'm going to this brewery. What beer from them should I try? And I've been able to say, hey, we've sampled them on the show. We learned about them a lot. Here's the beer that means a lot to them. Here's a beer we really liked. And so I just like being more informed on the beer itself. I like what we're currently doing. I wouldn't mind if next season we wind up talking about good beer and good football. Yeah, it'd be a good combination. It really would. I agree, though. I'm, I'm right there with you. I like I think that the beer helps a lot. It's not just therapeutic, but it's just a reminder of, you know, there's good in the world. There's good community. Yeah. That's actually how I responded to that Minnesota fan who chirped at us. I said, fortunately, we're half football, half beer. And since it's a bye week, we're going to lean heavy in the beer this week. (laughs) (laughs) So it works out. Yeah. And it's nice because, you know, we love, we, we mentioned this in a lot of our episodes, but we just really love both of those communities. We love the football community. We love hearing, even though we're walking away with these losses, and I know this doesn't dictate the game one way or another, but it's really refreshing to hear. Nebraska fans came in with grace. They visited. They were nice. The game was hard for them, but they were still Nebraska folks. And when people come to visit Lincoln, they enjoy coming because Nebraska makes them feel welcome. That's the type of environment I want for college football. It should be a a culture of inclusivity where everyone is welcome. Everyone's here to root for their team and support, but we're all in it together. Same thing with beer. We don't support breweries who are are in it for anything other than the community. Yeah. If you're you're Lane Kiffin and you're looking for a safe space... Memorial Nebraska. Stadium, yeah. Lincoln. Yeah. That'd be a hell of a game. That would if be Lane fun. brought Ole Miss to Nebraska. Oh, man. Ooh. Maybe wait a couple years, but yeah. Still. Yeah. Yeah. All right. One through nine, but you can't ask eight. Okay. Give me number four. Copycat. Oh. Okay. Here's, here we go. <laughs> if you were pitted against the biggest, strongest kid in the world of a certain age, what's the oldest that kid could be for you to still feel confident you would win in a fight? No weapons allowed on either side. Okay, I have a very diminutive stature. I'm not I'm not a big person. I'm also not very aggressive in general. So <laughs> this worries me because I, I walk my son to school every once in a while. And there are some it's a, kids. It's a real fear for you. <laughs> there are some kids in their neighborhood who could take me out. They're in elementary school. Yeah. So I would say, let's say he's eight. He can take me too. You also have to think about like what, like what height they are and, and what is in their, their reach pu- their punching oh range yeah and what could take me down in one shot so uh i would say confidently like five or six okay like, yeah cool. and i would still feel pretty good going into that fight yeah yeah i'm glad you answered a question <laughs> like <laughs> how what age child do you think you could realistically yeah. beat yeah <laughs> okay good good answer yeah good answer five or six and even then i'm sweating <laughs> It's not a, it's, it's about as confident as you're going to get. Yeah. It'd be fun to see the Vegas odds on that. Well, since, or you did eight and then I did four and then you did four, I'll take eight. You want eight? Okay. We're going to do, we're going to do a variation of fuck, marry, kill. This is football, marry, kill. So the football is, is who you going to play for? Okay. Football, marry, kill. You got to play for one, marry one, kill one. Brett Bielema. Okay. Kirk Ferentz. Okay. PJ Fleck. This is at their current school too. Yeah. No, I'm, okay. doesn't matter Uh. (laughs) (laughs) that's not why this question's hard it's the mary one that makes this difficult see i know i know my answer i would marry fleck 
Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean. If he's on your side. Yeah. If he's in your corner. Yeah. Oh, man. You're going to wake up feeling like a million bucks. I'm going to play for Bielema. Yeah. And I'm going to kill Ferentz. Yep. <laughs> okay. We're in agreement. We're yeah. in agreement. Yeah. With When it comes to Bielema, when he first got hired on at Illinois and the way that he was recruiting or, or selling his program, I actually thought, and this, this is a hot take, that there's still plenty of time for him to turn things around. I know that he got off to a good start against Nebraska, and then things kind of went back down, and he's had some wins since then. I thought that he might be a realistic option for taking over Iowa football. I think he's a good football coach. I think he's good for students. I think he does a good job selling his program. And he was good at Wisconsin. I think he's got to figure out who he is away from that Wisconsin identity. He didn't find it in Arkansas, but he might find it again in the Big Ten and really lead a program on his own without maybe the overshadowing of a Barry Alvarez or the pressure of the SEC. Once he figures that out, figures out his system and starts to recruit and coach towards that, I think he's going to be a pain in the ass in the Big Ten. Yeah, I can so, see him growing comfortable here. Yeah, so I would, I would like to play football for a guy like that who's figuring things out and you can be a part of that but also is true to himself, does a good job with his, his program, good job with his players, that sort of thing. Yeah. PJ is the most handsome among them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that counts for something, I guess. And if I'm yeah, marrying him, you look you know, at him every day. start there. I think he'd be a good motivator if I wanted to get back in the gym. I think he'd go jogging with me and stuff like that. Yeah. He's a snappy dresser. He does He does wear a nice tight little uh, tie and, and all that. The only, the only problem is we both like to talk. And so if we go to parties, no one else is getting a word in edgewise. And I could see us having a few marital spats here and there. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, Kirk Ferentz, not a fan at all. But I could not play for the Ferentz family at all. No, so that's no. that's it. That's my that's my football Mary kill. I like it. I like it. All right. What do you say? Should we crack open the next beer? Let's, yeah, let's get after it. All right. Our next bottle is the Elijah Craig Barrel Aged Abyssal Mouth. Elijah Craig is known for its vanilla bean, sweet fruit, and mint aroma, and its woody, smoky, and spice-heavy flavor. Ben, tell me what you got. Yeah, you know, this is a little bit lighter, a little bit cleaner than the Buffalo Trace. As far as what it's pulling from the barrel, I'm getting the vanilla, I'm getting the sweet fruit. The mint's kind of hidden in there, but I don't get any of the woody, smoky, or spice, or anything along those lines. It's just a really clean, easy sipper. I could sit back with this, and you could tell me that I'm drinking whiskey with a splash of water, and I believe you. I, I actually favor this one a little bit more than the first one. The first one's a heavier, maybe more of a cold weather kind of sipper, whereas this one just feels more rocking chair on the front porch, nice sunset sort of sipper. How about you? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat as you. I, I just think this picks up a lot of the barrel, but it's not, not quite as heavy-handed yeah. as the other one, and so, you know, I... I Honestly, I, I prefer the first. I prefer the Buffalo Trace because I do like that. I like that bigger, bolder, more in your face, you know, easier to pick out different notes. And I'm not complaining about this one by any means, but sure. it's just for my tongue. I like to have I like to have things much more aggressive and obvious, I okay. guess, than subtle. OK, so. well, that takes one of my questions out about oh. your tongue preferences. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's neat, too. You know, we've got we've got uh, multiple glasses here and, and we put a little bit of a sample of the Buffalo Trace in just for the aroma. And that Buffalo Trace really hits you with a lot of those flavors and aromas that you expect from a barrel aged beer. Mm -hmm. Whereas the Elijah Craig hits you with more of the nose of what you would expect from a bourbon. Yeah. Um, there's almost even some type, type of like citrus or really sweet citrus oil, that sort of thing, aroma that hits you right out of the gate with that one. So it's really fascinating to get to sample these side by side as opposed to one after the other. 
and have some fun that way. So if you ever get an opportunity to get a barrel-aged beer that's barrel-aged in different variances, have some friends over. That's a really great way to sample these is have them lined up in a row and try and find the differences between those two. We've got two more to go, so I'm very excited about that. All right. Do you want to ask the first round of questions? Question? Yeah. Give me a number. I'll okay, give you a question. So I've got one through what? Uh, one through 13, but no four, no eight. No four, no eight. Let's go with, let's stay with the evens. I'll take two. Dose. Oh, okay. This is a football related, and this fits. This fits with our conversation about this past game. After Culp's missed 27-yard field goal on Saturday, you had the audacity, sir, to say you could make that kick. And you even talked, I guess you did, you did kind of reel back and say that kicking is difficult. Yeah. So that was, I shouldn't maybe throw around the word audacity there, but um, I'm going to give you a, the chance to kick a 27-yard field goal to win the 2025 national title for Nebraska, which we know they're going to win. If you make it, you go down in Husker history. Yeah. If you miss it, every night for the rest of your life, when you sleep, you only get blankets that are made of deli meat. Do you kick it or do you watch from the sidelines? I prefer to sleep when it's chilly, so I'll take the cold cuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I go for it. Yeah, Hell yeah. Laying you know in a bed of ham. Yeah. Let's see. By 2025, I will be 37 years old. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> I've lived my life. I can handle that being my <laughs> my legacy. Right. If, if people look at me and they go, that's the guy that missed the field goal. It turned out fine for, for uh, Turner Gill. He's still a legend yeah, because he went for it because he tried. <laughs> yes, fair. kicking field goals is hard. Who wouldn't want the opportunity to win the game? Yeah, that comes with losing the game. But at the same time, you just you want the opportunity. Yeah. So it's no different than being in your backyard, pretending you're pitching for the World Series with, you know. Right. Or with throwing up buzzer yeah. shots. and yeah. 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 Who wouldn't want to be put in that situation? Because you earn the right to be there. Your whole team did. And win or lose you got the chance it's good you're gonna smell like deli meat for the rest of your life if you don't nothing new there do you do you sleep eat because that would be a problem too no i don't sleep eat okay no mainly because i sleep in a bedroom not a pantry <laughs> i don't know you're like you know people like get up and walk around the que the better question would be what cold cut what would it be what would you choose Ooh, what's like a non-stinky it wouldn't be mortadella <laughs> it wouldn't be a pastrami <laughs> um i'd maybe go with like a roast beef I feel like that would be the nice one because it's it's heavy, like like a a pepper a peppered roast beef. Because at least then I can be like, no, that's my cologne. It's it's <laughs> musky. It's got a nice pepper right. tone to it. Yeah, ham ham and like salami. Yeah, they're too slick and greasy. Yeah, turkey's kind of filmy, and but roast beef is like I said, it's, it's heavy. I feel like if you're cold, you yeah. get a nice thick slab of roast beef. Yeah, you're set. Nothing nothing keeps you warmer at night than a thick blanket <laughs> of roast beef. <laughs> All right, okay. one through nine, you can't pick. Oh, I crossed off two. You could pick two. One through nine, no four, no eight. All right, give me number seven. Number seven. This one's long. Oh, boy. All right. You found yourself cleaning out the attic space of a distant relative as a favor to your parents. You stumble across a dusty knit football jersey from a bygone era. You decide, what the hell, and put on the jersey. You're immediately and magically granted athletic abilities matched only by that of Cam Taylor Britt. Your phone rings. It's Scott Frost. He offers you a full scholarship to play for Nebraska. You accept. It's six games into the season, and you're a massive smash on and off the field. A message comes to your email from Open Doors. It's the NIL endorsement of your dreams. What brand, product, or company are you representing as a Husker? <laughs> I also want to shout out real quick before you answer. Uh -huh. That's totally stolen from a Disney Channel original series <laughs> called The Jersey, where the kids find a magical jersey, teleports, then they get to be 
yeah, players. Give but, credit where it's due. Yeah. Right. I mean, we had a Brink reference. I figured might as well bring back in <laughs> right. some more yeah. Disney Channel. But yeah, NIL, what is your dream endorsement brand oh, product man. company? I'm smiling like like Cam Taylor Britt just thinking about, you know, being him. Um, I said athletic ability similar to. Nah, you're <laughs> I'm stepped into, I am, it's like a Freaky Friday situation. Oh, poor Cam. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Welcome to fucking well below average. <laughs> Friday. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm gonna be selfish here, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go with uh, what's my endorsement deal? Mm-hmm. Want to be walk-ons? Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna blow us up. Are you? Yeah. That's cool. I'm gonna make us real big. Nice. Yeah. I appreciate that. Thank you. You're welcome. You deserve it's it. A terrible choice. But <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it is definitely um a favor to want to be walk-ons. Yeah. So oh yeah. Me. Oh yeah. We don't even have the money to afford Drew Horseman playing at Camp Taylor Brit level. <laughs> <laughs> But I'll like, take it. That's just, you know, uh, Drew Horseman is Cam Taylor Britt. It's just a real nice guy, you know, real down to earth. He just <laughs> likes to see the. That's not the question. <laughs> it's not you. You don't become Cam Taylor Britt. You become you with the same abilities. Nah. <laughs> now you're just changing the question. <laughs> yeah, I'm living my dream, man. Living All right. Oh. All right. Fair okay. enough. Good All answer. Right. I'll right. take that answer. Oh, man. Okay. What's next? You want to, I mean, I ask you one? Yeah. Okay. Would you rather fight 100 gopher-sized flex okay. or one flex-sized gopher and your only weapon is a boat or? Flex-sized gopher. Give me the one. Really? Yeah. Just the one? Just the one. A human-sized gopher? Yeah. It's also bald. Ugh. <laughs> That's worse. Yeah. No. And it's got the energy of flex. Okay. If if I had to fight 100 gopher-sized flex or yeah. flex-sized gopher, I don't know how big gophers get. Um, I like this. I think you're wrong. I bet there's some gophers out there. I think they to pull from my kid. It's the biggest <laughs> gopher. <laughs> if I had to choose between, I would totally choose one. If I had a weapon, yeah, like an oar, yeah, that gives me a significant amount of reach. Mm-hmm. And I don't think gophers have very long arms. So even at the flex size, okay. I could probably get a couple shots to the throat. Yeah, that would probably sit a flex size gopher down. Yeah, I'm gonna lose no matter what in that battle. <laughs> But I'm going to be way more satisfied smashing on just a hundred little flex, you know, with the boat or just wiping, wiping them out I'm, until they swarm. I'm concerned. I feel like, okay, if it's, if it's the flex sized gopher, uh-huh. which animals speed, like, am I getting the, the gopher's speed at flex size or am I getting flex speed at a gopher size? Like, that's the question that I have. Yeah. Because I feel like whichever, like a gopher moves pretty quick. Sure. If they're like a squirrel, they can Up and scurry. Down, yeah. Yeah. So I just, I'm concerned that I wouldn't be fast enough. And I've seen PJ Fleck run out of the tunnel. I'm also concerned I wouldn't be fast <laughs> enough. So to have a hundred of them, I might swing the oar and I might only hit two out of a hundred. And then it looks like that scene from the second matrix <laughs> where all the agent Smiths collapse on, <laughs> collapse on Neo. And instead of what Keanu Reeves does and blows them all up, uh-huh. I just, I'm just That's underneath it. this pile and they gnaw me to death. Yeah. Or maybe they just like whisper really positive things in your ear. No. They're going to, they're going to say row the boat while I have an <laughs> oar in my hand and I'll be like, quit taunting me. So I go with, I go with one. I think it's the closest I can get to a fair fight. Okay. It's a bigger target to swing the oar yeah. at. And I would just whip it around my head <laughs> as fast as I can or spin in circles. All right. One through nine, but you can't choose four, seven, or eight. Give me number five, Cam Taylor Britt. Number five. Okay, you've been trapped on a desert island for a year with only fish and coconut to sustain you. After 12 long months, you are rescued by a low-flying, sightseeing helicopter. 
Do you let the honeymooning couple finish their scenic tour, or do you force them to return you to the mainland? No. <laughs> no, the real question is, <laughs> what's your first meal upon returning home? Ooh, that's a good question. I'm going to go steak, for sure, for sure steak, mashed potatoes, and give me some asparagus, grilled asparagus. Really? Yeah, and then you slap a little, like, hollandaise sauce on that steak with some Ooh. crab. Yeah. Oh, man, it's a filet. Uh, I can taste it. It, like, just melts in my mouth. But definitely, yeah, Midwestern. You're going meat and potatoes. Yeah, yeah. Are you, do you think you'll actually eat the asparagus? I will. I like asparagus. Okay, yeah. I'm just asking. And it's probably, if I'm eating coconut and fish. Yeah. Which are, I like coconut. I hate, I can't stand fish. Yeah. Plus it's sushi. But yeah, I haven't had any greens in a while. Yeah. Plus they're slathered in butter and garlic. Okay. Yeah. What are you drinking? I always put, I always do a Guinness when I uh, go out and have this meal. Yeah. So a Guinness. Nice. Yeah. That sounds like it's a really so nice meal. Fucking heavy. Are you, <laughs> it's so hard in Anything it. for dessert or you're are you, are you a No, guy? no, no, no. No, I'm good. I'm good. My dessert is like like one more beer. Sure. Yeah, to close off close off the night. So Okay. Yep. That sounds like a really good meal. Mm-hmm. All right. What do you think? Should we should we hit up the third beer in this lineup? I'm starting to get sweaty. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's in, we're in a sixty four degree basement. Yeah, we're sweating. So. All right. All right. Our third bottle is the Willet Bourbon Barrel Aged Abyssal Mouth. Willet is known for its vanilla lemon cake aroma and its caramel, vanilla, and citrus flavor profile. And Drew, I gotta say, I'm really picking up on that lemon cake kind of flavor that they're describing there in that Willet. It has a very creamy mouth feel, and it's not too dissimilar from the other two as far as the flavor flavor profiles go, because these bourbons all tend to have a similar look to them. So there's a lot of similarities between these, but it really comes down to that mouth feel that makes a difference for me. Yeah, it does. It kind of that helps kind of describe what you're what you're tasting and what you're picking up on. So, with the with the Elijah Craig, you know, when you're hitting that bourbon a little harder, it's it becomes less of a beer, it becomes thinner almost yeah. when you're tasting it. This one hits in the middle. Yeah, and and so you you get a nice balance between both the beer and the bourbon, and this one's very enjoyable. Actually, I think I prefer this for that reason. Sure, between the three of them, it's just because you can kind of get the best of both worlds. I'm getting a little bit right at the end as it kind of sits and lingers. I'm getting a little bit of spice too, just a little bit of clove or a little bit of pepper or a little bit of something else that isn't necessarily alcoholic heat, mm-hmm. but kind of gives that Szechuan pepper sort of tingle that. Is enjoyable. It makes you want to go in for another sip and kind of flavor profile it out a little bit more. I think all of these, all three of these though, are an excellent example of brewing an awesome base beer and letting the barrel go to work. Yeah, they have, and they're, and they're demonstrating that here. They're they're putting it up against um, some well known bourbons, and and again, you're you're finding that no matter which one you try, you you get different qualities, you get different aspects coming through, but every single one holds up really really well yeah nothing feels weak nothing feels like the barrels having to do the legwork even on the elijah craig that has maybe the the thinnest quality to itself it's not because the beer itself is thin it's almost an expression of that bourbon on top of yeah yeah it's accentuating something different yeah and that's yeah it's a that's the sign of somebody who who knows what they're doing i don't know who's supposed to ask a question or answer a question first so (laughs) give me a number one through nine, but you can't choose <laughs> four, five, seven, or eight. And I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. All right. I'm going to go to all the way down to one. All the way down to one? Yeah. The other the other direction. I've okay. i all the other ones. Yeah. It's your 40th birthday. Oh, boy. And a party has been thrown. I only picked 40 because it's like. I'm not that far. No, I know. It's not. It's okay. scary. It's your 35th birthday, <laughs> a banner year, and a party has been thrown in your honor. There's a surprise performer. Who is it? 
Cam Taylor Britt. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. No, if I had a if I had to have a surprise performer, I would want Jack White. Ooh, going with music. Yeah, yeah. Okay, he can play. He can play anything. And I feel like if you're gonna have like a sh- like. Cause it's not, you know, like some, some musicians, uh, need like the, the arena or the setting to be appropriate, but this dude can just fucking stand up and play guitar. Yeah. Just him and an amp. He can bring a drummer. I don't care. I love, I love his music. Yeah. I love that style of the bluesiness, the rock. Sure. And all that. And so Jack White. Yeah. That's a great choice. Yeah. I'd go to that party. Yeah. You would probably be invited. <laughs> I would hope <laughs> would so. be really messed up if I didn't invite you. Yeah. It, that yeah. wouldn't track at all. I'd be. Cam, I'd, Ta- Cam Taylor Britt also invited <laughs> I don't want to be mean. Uh, I'm more likely to come. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> to my imaginary birthday party with Jack White. Yeah. 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 I'd be there. Oh, shit. Okay. Uh, give me a number. One through 14 now. I found out I have a... I'm gonna take, <laughs> I want to take 14. You want the last one? I want the last one. All right. Here you go. You are competing in the Lawn Game Olympics. What event do you take the bronze medal in and why is that still worse than silver? Oh, man. I would say that I take the bronze in edging or trimming there's just some areas where i can't get a fine line a nice crisp line and it really irks me but i really give my all on that and i know that i didn't earn silver so i'm okay taking the bronze <laughs> in that situation but it's just nice to be on the podium yeah and this answer is 100 sincere i really wish that i was a little bit better on my edging the neighbor who i line up with their their grass they don't edge their their sidewalk grass as tight as i do and so there winds up being a buffer there and it's not it's not their fault. It's not my fault, but it just never looks that great. And then we also have two swing sets in our backyards. And I know you're thinking, ooh, fancy two swing sets. No, <laughs> we didn't want one of the swing sets, but the ho- the people we bought the house from refused to take the swing set. And we weren't going to let the house go, obviously, over keeping the swing set. But I have to edge around two swing sets. And sometimes, man, I'm just not feeling it, especially when you have to mow the lawn after an 11 a.m. Husker game that didn't go your way. It's like... I'm not gonna fucking edge that swing. I'm not gonna trim around that swing set. So I know that I have my own short shortcomings when it comes to that. So that's what I'm gonna take in the lawn Olympics. The question was about lawn games, and so like in my mind, I was thinking like beanbag toss, Polish horseshoes. Oh, like lawn games. I love that your mind went to like taking care of your lawn, like a true homeowner who just yeah. takes pride. Yeah, that's the most dad answer I could have given <laughs> in that so moment. Good. Yeah. The entire time you're sitting there thinking, "This guy's an idiot." Well, that's the difference between like if you ask a 20 year old that or a 30 year old. So yeah, yeah. I mean, to answer the question in the real way, I I wouldn't even get bronze in any of those games. Yeah, I'm not I'm not good at any of those games to the point to where I could walk away with it. I've it's seen okay. how some some people play cornhole. Yeah, and that's on ESPN, and I don't see myself being that good to even. You don't, you don't have, this is the Olympics. Like they go with the obscure sports like edging and trimming. So yeah. Good job. So that's what I would take. I do a damn good job mowing my lawn though. Yeah. I take a good, good amount of pride in that. Yeah. So, all right. What's your next number? You've got two, three, six, and nine. Nice. Nice. We'll do two. Two. Congratulations. Your name has just been entered in the Guinness book of world records. What record did you just break or set? (laughs) Oh, give me a minute. Give me a minute. Yeah. You got time. Okay. I'm going to keep in all this dead space. <laughs> so they can know like how long it takes to answer. Oh, you answer this question. What if I pulled out a Guinness Book of World Records and I was like, actually, <laughs> third best edger in the world. Okay. <laughs> if, I get a, if I get a world record, it's 
for the most times procrastinating, even though you know it's a bad idea and still somehow pulling it off. <laughs> like probably not to the best of my ability, but that's it. I'm a I'm a big time procrastinator. Yeah. And and for whatever reason, I, I can't stop. Do you feel but like the pressure helps? It does. Yeah. Like that crunch time. Sure. Because I get angry. Like I get I get legitimately like worked up. And so, uh, yeah, when I'm in that situation, I feel that that pressure, that time constraint. I'm like I'm focused, and then, you know I'm kicking ass. So okay, that's so it. you're the world's best procrastinator. World's best most, procrastinator. Would you say you're the world's best, the world's most effective procrastinator? The world's most unable to stop doing that, in spite of the fact that it drives me crazy, and okay. I wish that I wasn't doing it. But I I do it. It works. I don't know. Can you say that more? Like Succinct. condensed, yeah. Because <laughs> no. that's a really long. That's thing a to lot put of on print. A plaque. Yeah, yeah, that's a lot of print. It's, they're probably not going to put that one in the book. All right, all right. But they'll send you the certificate. Yeah, I would just say like the world's most steady procrastinator. Okay. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you answering that question quickly. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Give me uh, question three. You get one walk-up song that plays leading up to two different occasions every time they occur. When you walk into the bedroom for lovemaking, and when you walk into a funeral, it's the same song. When I walk into a funeral? Yep. You're, you have a walk-up song every time you enter the bedroom for lovemaking, and when you walk into a funeral, what song are you choosing? Okay. First off, I have a question about the funeral walk-up song. <laughs> okay. Does everyone have a funeral walk-up song, or am I the only guy You're in the, the only funeral guy. <laughs> that yeah, oh, carries yeah. around a boombox? And is like, oh great, Ben's here at a funeral. It doesn't have Bam. to come. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't have to come from a boombox. Okay. Um, but yeah, you're the only guy. Like So wait, the funeral director's like, oh, Ben's coming. Bam. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry about the logistics. It plays from the heavens. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, you just walk okay. in. You gotta, so you gotta one be- one for the bedroom, one for uh-uh. one for both. It's oh, be it's a, the it's same, the same song. song. Oh. You got to be careful. You're trading a fine line. So, like, I can't say bad religions. I feel like making love. <laughs> <laughs> you can, but it'd be really necrophily, <laughs> necrophiliac-ish. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Can I tell you what Ezra said? Sure. <laughs> First off, you asked your <laughs> eight-year-old. <laughs> I didn't. So, I asked I asked Melanie, I asked my wife, just because I was, like, throwing, I was throwing out ideas for questions or whatever, and, uh, I was, and Ezra happened to be in the room, and I... Had had too much to drink to really think about what, like what the fact that he would hear it, <clears throat> and uh, so I asked that question, and Melanie kind of paused and looked up. Ezra, without like missing a beat, he g- <laughs> he goes, "Can't stop the feeling." <laughs> <laughs> That's a great answer. It's such a good answer. That's a really good answer. Yeah, he has no idea what stepping into the bedroom for lovemaking is, and uh, I I don't know. Maybe he's been to one funeral. Maybe. Yeah. Not that he remembers, but uh, can't stop the feeling. Oh, man. Okay. Johnny Cash, when the man comes around, <laughs> would be my walk-up song. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Anything from Johnny Cash and that song has just enough of an edge to it either way that I feel like people would respect Johnny Cash in both situations. Right. <laughs> and that Johnny Cash would be in control in both situations. Good answer. So Good answer. when yeah. the man comes around. <laughs> cool. Uh, Should we crack yeah. in to bottle number four of Abyssal Mouth? Absolutely. And try the, the lovely blend that they the have. The blend, yeah. All right. 
All right, we're on to our final bottle of Abyssal Mouth. This is a carefully curated blend of the previous three bottles we just sampled. Ben, what are you detecting from the previous bottles, and does the blending reveal any new flavors? You know, what I'm getting from this new blend, I think carefully curated is the right way to put it, because it doesn't feel like all three were just dumped together. It feels like the good was taken from all of the bottles, and anything that might have been off-putting or the alcohol was too hot or a flavor was too demanding or was overpowering or anything along those lines, all of that disappears. And what's left is this smooth, creamy, caramely, easy drinker that you put in front of any beer drinker and they're going to say, man, what a beer. Nothing is overly bitter. Nothing is overly sweet. Nothing is overly carbonated or undercarbonated. It's just this really nice sipper that I would be ecstatic to find among any random bottle of beer. Oh, yeah. Yeah, with the other three, you know, we're, we're kind of trying to pick out, well, does this lean towards a beer? Does it lean towards a barrel? What's really standing out? This is incredible. This is a, this yeah, whatever whatever they came came upon, however they came upon it, they found a way to just, just smooth this thing over. Yeah. Yeah, roasty, caramelly, just delicious. There's no, you're not picking out you know barrel or or beer or whatever it's just you're just enjoying this experience absolutely when i first came into craft beer i started on a weird end of the spectrum a lot of people tend to start with like the ipas and the wheat beers and they go into it from that angle i found really early on barrel aged vintage beers from guys like firestone walker and really fell in love with those my heart breaks when i do buy a barrel aged beer because i want to find those types of beers that really respect the barrel, but also respect the brewing process. And a lot of times, and especially I think during the pandemic, those ten, those things tended to disappear because they're very expensive. You're not making a lot of money back, if any, off of those. And again, it's more about the artistry. This is the perfect representation of those beers. And the fact that we found it locally is just, it's. I'm so happy. I'm so happy about it because this is something that I would put up against the best of the Firestone Walker anniversaries or a barrel-aged Yeti or a... Like bar- a narwhal. Yeah, yeah. Something that just... Ha- or a Sierra Nevada anniversary. Mm-hmm. Any of those are these great heavy hitters or even what we were able to try this this past year, which was Toppling Goliath's Assassin. Right. These live in that same category. And the fact that these guys are a stone's throw away from where we lived is just awesome. And I can't wait for a similar release like this to come from them again. Yeah. Because I'll be first in line to pick one up. Yeah, and if you if you haven't listened to episode three with, with Jukes, the family, go back and do that now. They're this is a great family and, and the fact that they're yeah, they're a part of this local community and they're able to come up with something like this together. This is this is a blended beer, but it's coming from a family that's blended together with a lot of different, you know, personalities and love and, and hard work and so I'm happy for them. I'm happy that they're sharing this incredible beer with all yeah. of us. They're doing this because this is why they got into making beer, was they wanted to take these ingredients and elevate them to a level that you couldn't imagine if you haven't been exposed to this sort of thing before. So I just give so much credit to them, and this is my first exposure to... I'd I'd like to say this is my first exposure, but on that episode three when we were actually recording this, they may have snuck us a little (laughs) sample of this, and we were blown away by it back then. And so to be able to see the finished product it just continued to evolve and improve upon that. Plus it made us feel really fucking special that they were like, Hey, do you want to try what we've been cooking for a long time? Straight off the barrel. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, We didn't deserve that that early on. We still don't deserve it now, but it's, (laughs) 
<laughs> it was really nice that they welcomed in, us into that. Yeah. So, shall we wrap up with a few more interview questions? Yeah, let's do them. Do you have Do you have any that you like absolutely want to ask that you had had loaded up and ready to go? Yeah. Well, I only have three left, so I'm gonna lie and say I sure do. <laughs> Here, here's one that's uh, that's a fun one. Okay. Work called. They're overstaffed. No, they're not. <laughs> Get out. They want to reward all of your hard work with a paid day off. Your kids are at school. Your wife has to work. The day is completely yours. How do you spend it? This is so this is so deep down into some sort of fantasy world. I just can't imagine. I would I would I'm not like a oh man, if I had my ideal day, I would go out for a walk. I'd I'd go to like a lake or something. That's that's where I find my peace. Put on my headphones, go for a walk. I would come back. I would do some writing. Love to write. I'd have tunes on. I'd be drinking. And uh, I would not have my phone on me at all. Just on the chance. <laughs> just on the chance that work calls. And is like, <laughs> just kidding. We made a mistake. Yeah. We made a huge mistake. <laughs> so it would be, it would be, um, it would be like the introvert's dream. Yeah. That's my, that's my world. And I would be okay with that. As long as I got something achieved. As long sure. as I got something done. Yeah. Uh, you know, worked on like a little pet project or something. Um, but in a very just relaxed, uninterrupted sort of way. Oh man, you got me. You got me dreaming. You got me dreaming. <laughs> um, those days, those days are few and far between. So yeah, they really are. Yeah, I would. I would make the most of it by yeah, not not going over the top. But sure. Just, self love days are important. You yeah. got to find them. You got to have exactly. Them. Yeah. yeah. What's your What's your day? What's your self love day? My self love day. Uh huh. And I've done this before, so I've had random days off especially when I worked retail before I had a full-time office job where I'd have a random Tuesday or weekday off. And this is rare because it lines up this way, but I would go see three or four movies in a row in a movie theater and I would have to plan it out. So like the first movie starts at 9 a.m. and then I've got a 15 minute break to go to the bathroom, grab a snack, go into the next movie. Then there's a break there and then the next movie starts. Then I get another afternoon snack, and then I go into the fourth movie. And I've done that before, where I just see movie after movie after movie, and I actually buy my tickets. I don't just like <laughs> don't sneak, sneak in or something out, like yeah. that. That that's my dream day off. It's just I go boom, 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 and just see as many movies as I can from nine until five, and then I come home. And I wouldn't mind cooking. I love to cook. Mm, yeah, it's therapeutic. It's nice to take nothing and turn it into something, and have someone else enjoy that. Maybe that's why I enjoy podcasting as well is two nothings put stuff together <laughs> and they make something out Just of it. Just a couple of nothings. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Want to be nothings. <laughs> but yeah, no, that that's that's kind of my ideal day off is just alone. To me, that's my cathedral is being able yeah. to sit and watch movies and break them down. I love it. All right. What do we have left for you to, to ask this way? This, this way. <laughs> Mind you, again, Did these beers mention? are at 13%. <laughs> <laughs> and it's oh, a bye man. week, so... Anyway, one, five, six, seven, ten, twelve, thirteen. I'm gonna take I'm gonna take numero uno. Okay. Let's go with number one. All right. There is now a three drink minimum prior to completing a common day to day activity of your choosing. What is the best and worst activity you can think of applying this rule to? Yeah, you know, I'm gonna go back to your uh, lawn care Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> I completely missed the point of the question. And I think that mowing the lawn with a few beers 
is a really great way to enjoy a Saturday afternoon. So I have no problem with that, especially when it gets real hot out. This is how you earn a bronze medal in the lawn. The yeah, lawn this, Olympics. <laughs> this <laughs> is the real reason that my trimming and edging isn't that great. So nothing better than mowing the lawn with a beer or two and, you know, oh, taking three, three, three in this case. I'll take it. Yeah. And then I would say that working out, mm. if I, if I know that I'm going to be working out after dinner or something like that, it's hard enough to work out on a full stomach. I feel I have a hard time with that. So I gotta let my food settle, but to throw alcohol on top of it makes it even worse. So what I actually like to drink in that situation, if I had to work out after drinking three beers, that would just be awful. So Lagunitas makes a drink they call the hoppy refresher. It's a carbonated water that they flavor with hops. So you get the citrus and you get the hop and it tastes a little bit like a LaCroix mixed with a Sprite mixed with a little bit of like orange citrus oil, something like that. It's really refreshing, zero alcohol, zero calories. It doesn't make you feel super bloaty or anything like that, but it's got good carbonation to it. feels kind of like you're drinking a soda or a soft drink or an IPA. Mm-hmm. Those are really nice to have with dinner time when you're kind of craving a beer, but you're like, no, I want to get stuff done afterwards to my full potential. So I'm not going to dive into some beer right now. Nice. So yeah. those would be my two answers. Mowing the lawn with three beers in me. Perfect. Absolutely. Working out with beer in me. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> so usually it takes me like three beers before I start thinking that working out is a good idea. I'm going to get so <laughs> swole yeah, right now. Ripped. <laughs> yeah. Oh, all right. Six or nine. Nice. Yay. I did that on purpose. Uh, let's go with the, let's go with nine. Nine. Yeah. You did it. You found a golden ticket hidden among millions of Wonka bars. While following along with Mr. Wonka, you are the best behaved child on the tour and are poised to win the chocolate factory. That is until you enter the blank room and lose all self-control. What room have you just entered? And, and I want to preface this question as well. It doesn't necessarily, you know, it doesn't have to be a food. Because in, in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, there's like a TV room. And so it's like just your biggest desire or something where it's like, I can't, I can't block out the rest of the world when this thing's in front of me. Yeah. Keep it. <laughs> <laughs> there's, oh man, there's a few things that do it to me. Like, not to be too on theme, but Nebraska football, I, I turn into kind of an a-hole and I am in the game. Like hyper-focused and, and any interruption is going gonna, is gonna to set me off. But that's also like a super too too like bad too many bad emotions are involved yeah. in that, and so I don't think that quite qualifies. And so, oh man, if I was gonna pick anything, it would be the thing that's gonna fucking trip me up, man. This is so hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, if anything's gonna trip me up, you know what? It, I think it's gonna be if I walked into a room and it was full of like like if it was full of, of literature, like good literature. I was gonna say, yeah. Uh, I would I would go a little bonkers. Yeah. I would yeah, I would get consumed. I would get consumed by um like Russian literature. <laughs> In English, not the you know, I'm not yeah. I'm not bilingual. But yeah, any any sort of classical literature. Yeah. Like even now as I'm thinking about it, I'm just kinda like spacing out and just like the 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 joy and the and the comfort and the beauty of those words mm-hmm. and those stories there's few things on this earth as addicting as a book that just clicks with your psyche in that right moment where you're like i can't put this down yeah and it's it's incredible to, and just what it is like what it boils down to is like some some guy or gal just kind of put ink on paper and, and kind of put imagination into words which you know are nothing other than just symbols and um, somehow it translated to me and whoever's reading being just engulfed in this world so 
yeah, literature, literature of of the the biggest, most capital L word literature yeah. would be my. That'd be the room that got me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What do you want? Give me a number. Let's go with lucky number thirteen. Okay. You're in a buddy cop comedy with any current Husker. Who is it, and why? I'm gonna say, and this is because we got to meet him. I'm gonna go with Casey Rogers. Nice. Yeah. Because that dude was so chill. And so cool and so nice to us and talk to us like we were his best friends that if I'm going to get into a buddy cop situation, one, he played well against Minnesota. Yes, he did. Two, he could protect me. (laughs) (laughs) But three, I feel like I could also just have a conversation with him and be able to get along with him while we're trying to solve a crime. So I'm going to go with Casey Rogers. That's a good choice. I feel like if if when in your downtime, you know, before things get hot, like he's going to be a fun guy to hang out with. He's going to be cool. But like when things happen yeah. and he turns it on, that's the dude you want in your corner. Yeah. So I'm yeah. cool with Casey, with Casey Rogers being the yeah. go-to guy. My second place was Newley because I thought that'd be fun with maybe a fish out of water storyline. Oh, yeah. Where okay. he's a German guy so and I'm yeah. trying to teach him things and he's <laughs> he's trope. teaching me German things, you know. Right. And then you fun. have a you have a, like the perfect sequel where then you go to Germany. Go to Germany. Yeah. yeah. And you gotta find out about all their norms and stuff. I become culture. a Polizei officer. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, all right. So that does it for our interviews with each other. We hope you guys enjoyed listening to Drew and I talk a little bit more about ourselves as we head into the bye week, but also focusing on some really excellent beers from Jukes Aleworks that we are very honored to get to sample. Yeah, I hope that our interview didn't spoil the beers, <laughs> you know, or like deter people from giving them a try and, and heading out to Jukes. And that's a great brewery. It really is. It's a great brewery, a great restaurant. I've had yeah. wonderful meals out there. My personal favorite is their. Nashville hot chicken sandwich. It's a really good one. Super crunchy chicken, super spicy. Great to make you pound some beers back. So if you get a chance, head out to Elkhorn and check out Duke's Ale Works. Try anything they have on tap or anything they have in bottles because you are not going to be disappointed. Say hi to the Duke's family. They're a great group of people. Uh, They're very welcoming. They're very hospitable. They welcomed us in when we were just a couple of idiots with microphones. We still are. Yeah. Yeah. But we also have 14 <laughs> episodes under our belt as opposed to when we interviewed them. I think we had none. So yep. Yep. Uh, that was awesome. But before we say goodbye, we want to give you another chance to win our season long prize package, including a game used Nebraska football and local brewery swag. For this week's entry, email wannabewalkons at gmail.com with your all-time favorite Nebraska quarterback. Remember, only one entry per episode, and you don't have to be correct to win. If you're a new listener or haven't entered our earlier episodes, you can do so until we give the prize away. Yeah, and if you're like everybody that commentates on a Nebraska football game and you confuse Taylor Martinez and Adrian Martinez, who gives a shit? Anyway, just make sure to include your first and last name in your email entry. That does it for this week. We want to thank everyone who tuned into this week's episode. If you have anyone who you think would enjoy a listen, we would truly appreciate your recommendation. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Wannabe Walk-Ons and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Remember to do your part. Drink local beer wherever you are. If you have any breweries you would like us to sample on the show, visit wannabewalkons.com to submit your recommendation. Join us next week as we interview Nebraska beer legend and blogger Joe Java Stout. Sample some beers from Pint Nine Brewing in Papillion, Nebraska, and preview the Purdue game. Thanks for listening, and as always, drink big red. Drink big red. Drink big red.